So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begets a son, and there's nothing in his hand. And he comes forth of his mother's womb, as he came forth of his mother's womb's naked, shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he that has labored for the wind? All his days also he eats in darkness, and he, that has much, and he has much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink, and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he takes under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth and has given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in the labor, this is the gift of God. For he shall not much remember the days of his life because God answers him in the joy of his heart. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun and it is common among men, a man to whom God has given riches, wealth, and honor so that he wants nothing for his soul of all that he desires, yet God gives him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eats it. This is vanity and it is an evil disease. If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years be many and his soul be not filled with good and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. For he comes in with vanity and departs in darkness and his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he has not seen the sun nor known anything. This has more rest than the other. Yet though he live a thousand years twice told, Yet has he seen no good. Do not all go to one place. Lord, as we look at this word this morning, it's, it's a word that our culture certainly needs to hear. I pray that you would help us to have the humility to listen to what you're saying here so that we might grow and benefit from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Solomon's words here remind us of what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, where he said, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the truth and pierced themselves through with many pangs. And no doubt in my mind when I read this text, that was the first verse I thought of in the New Testament. Paul says that those who love money fall into a trap and are ruined. You know, one interesting thing about fishing is you can increase your odds of catching a particular species of fish by the bait you use. 
If you want to catch a bass, maybe you use a rubber worm. If you want to use, catch a cricket, uh, catch a brim, maybe you use a cricket. If you want to catch a catfish, maybe you use some cut bait. Well, the devil knows this. When he's setting his snare, he knows how to increase his chances of snaring a human. All he has to do is put a dollar on the hook. He knows that people love money. And he knows that people will overlook many dangers to get money. And before you know it, he has set the hook and it's in your jaw and he's dragging you away. And so this morning we're going to consider three things Solomon, a man who knew a lot about it, Solomon learned about the love of money. And the first thing I want you to see here is, is he says, beware of the deceitfulness of riches here. Beware of the deceitfulness of riches. And he's going to give you a list here. We're going to move through this list as quickly as we can. But there's a number of things he's going to say to you here about money. The first one is in verse 10. He says, the more money you have, the more money you want. Now what he says in verse 10 of chapter 5? He that loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Now why do people love money? People love money because they think it will provide them with the things that they need to be happy. Therefore money equals happiness. Money, I'm sorry, money equals things. Things equals happiness. Now for a lot of people, money becomes addictive. They get a taste of money, they like it, and they become fixated on making and keeping more. I was like to listen to Dave Ramsey on the way home, and I was listening to Dave Ramsey the other day, and this guy was talking about how much money he made. Man, he just made so much money and so much money, and he was calling Dave now and wondering what he should do with his money. And Dave asked him the question, he said, well, well what brought you to this moment where, where you finally came to your senses and realized you needed to do something with all this money you had? And he answered this, I'll never forget it. He said, I ran out of stuff to buy. I ran out of stuff to buy. Here was a man making an, an ungodly amount of money. And he had more money than he knew what to do with, and he literally didn't know what to do with it. And he was trying to satisfy himself by buying things and he said, look, there's nothing else for me to buy. And there are people who have more things than they need. There are people in this world who, who have more money than they can spend, yet they want more. They're addicted to money. They love money. And the person who loves money will never have enough of it. Never, ever will they have enough of it if they love money. Money may pacify you for a short amount of time, but it's never going to satisfy you. If your goal in life is to get enough money to be satisfied, you are fighting a losing battle because the Bible says that money cannot satisfy you. Now the second thing I want you to see here is in verse 11. The more money you have, the more people want what you have. The more money you have. Look what he says. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. If you achieve your goal of wealth, you'll realize that this world is filled with leeches. Wealth will invite a whole new host of friends into your life. Friends who want to help you spend your money. Whether it be through an investment or through a purchase or through a loan. They think that they know what you should do with your money. Look at the second part of verse 11. It says all the rich person is doing is just looking at the stuff that they have. 
It's like that boat that's parked out there underneath the covering. Or those clothes that are in the closet that still have their tags on them. And so these new friends see that boat sitting out there with a cover over it. They see all these clothes with the tags still on them. And they say, you know, you're not doing anything with this stuff. You might as well let me help you spend it. You might as well let me help you spend it. You know, it is not hard for poor people to find out who loves them. Amen. It is not hard for poor people to find out who loves them. But it is very difficult for rich people to find out who really cares about them. Because rich people will find themselves surrounded by fake people who will tell them exactly what they want to hear. You know what? We always hear this saying. We hear, money can't buy love. That's true, but there's something else money can't buy. Money can't buy friendship. You can rent a friend with money. Amen? You can rent or lease a friend with money, but you cannot buy a friend with money. Because when the money runs out, they're not there anymore. If you love money, it can lead you to a place where you wonder if the very relationships you have with people are real relationships or not, because you're thinking, why are they here? And if I was not providing something for them, would they be here? So the more money you have, the more people you have who want your money. Now look at the next thing he says in verse 12. The more money you have, the more money you have to, the more you have to worry about. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Solomon tells us there that a poor man goes to work, comes home, and goes to bed. Doesn't matter if he had a big meal or if he had a little meal, he sleeps well. But he says the rich man has insomnia. Why? Because all the poor man has to do is say, look, when the alarm clock goes off, I get up and I go to work. When it's done, I go home. But the rich man has all types of things to worry about. He's got to worry about payroll. He's got to worry about maintenance. He's got to worry about insurance. He's got to worry about staff meetings. All these things keep him up late at night. And I want to tell you something. You cannot put a price tag on a good night's sleep. Some of you remember when Michael Jackson died back in 2009. It was from an overdose of a drug called propofol. Propofol is a sedation drug. If you're getting surgery... They give you propofol. It's an anesthesia. And you wonder, why in the world was he taking such a powerful drug? Well, it was for one simple reason. He couldn't sleep. He was a man who had more money than any of us could ever imagine. But he could not sleep at night. The more money you have, the more your phone will ring. The more money you have, the more problems you'll have to solve. The more money you have, the more meetings you'll have to attend. And the more money you have, the more questions you'll have to answer. So if your goal in life is to be rich, just know this. It may come at the expense of rest. It may come at the expense of relaxation. In other words, be ready to be filled with anxiety. The next thing he says about money is in verse 13. The more money you have, the more money can hurt you. There's a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. See, wealth can keep us from, or wealth can hurt us because it keeps us from the true priorities of life. 
What are the true priorities of life? Faith in Christ. Right? That, that is the priority. See, money isn't always the cure. Sometimes it's actually the cause of the problem. Solomon here says, look, I see these people who are hurting because of their money. We often think a person is hurting because they don't have money. But Solomon says, no, I've seen people who are hurting because they have money. Maybe this was because they were the target of evil people, extortion, blackmail, lawsuits. I don't know. But but I think more than anything, it was probably the discipline of the Lord. That he knew that these were people who were going to have to give an account to God one day about what they did with their money. Jesus gave that parable uh, of the guy who built bigger barns in Luke's gospel. He said, look, you've got all this money, but this day your, your soul is required of you. And that was an example of a man whose wealth was to his own hurt. He had to stand before God because of it. In other words, your stuff, your wealth can be the very evidence against you on the day of judgment. God brings all of this stuff before you. And He says, here's exhibit A. Exhibit A, this is what you had to do my will with. This is all that you had. You could have done so much for me. Look at all this stuff. And all you can do is stand there speechless before God and say, you're right. I had the means to do so much for you. The opportunity to do so much for you. But I didn't. I did so much for me. And I think more than anything, that's what Solomon's saying here. You know, when you and I stand before the Lord, God's not going to be impressed with how much we have when our life is over. His concern is going to be, what did we do for Him? How much did we use what He gave us for Him? And then we see the more money you have, the more money you can lose. The more money you have, the more money you can lose. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begets a son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth out of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came. All your riches can be gone in just a moment. One bad thing, a bad business deal, a change in the stock market, a crooked business partner. All of that can just lead to everything you have being gone. Now listen, if a poor man, if a man who is broke, and, and all he has is $5 to his name, if he loses everything, he's no doubt lost everything. But he hasn't really lost much. Amen? You can make that back, can't you? $5. You can make it back. But if you've got a man who's got $5 million, and he loses everything... That's a lot more difficult to get back. A lot more difficult to get back. And so we see the more you have, the more you can lose. Are you going to be more depressed if you lose five bucks or if you lose five million bucks? I think you know the answer to that. And then the more money you have, the more money you leave behind. Solomon says death is like birth. In that when you were born, you brought nothing with you. And when you leave, you take nothing with you. Now, we know, we know that's true. Th this is pretty simple. Have you ever seen a baby come out of the womb with a suitcase? He said, look what I brought. I brought all of this for you. You've never seen that, have you? 
Now Solomon, he's been, I think, a little funny here. He said, in the same way that you came into this world with nothing, you're going to leave this world with nothing. Somebody says, oh, brother, so-and-so died. Somebody says, really? How much did he leave behind? The answer, all of it. Amen? All of it. So it's not that you can't take it all with you. It's this, you can't take a red cent with you. You can't take a penny with you. And so therefore, it's a depressing thought to spend your life loving something that you can't take with you when you leave this world. It is a depressing thought to spend your life loving something that you cannot take with you when you leave this world. Now the second point here is in verses 16 and 17 and in chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. And it's this, that that the love of money can lead you to depression. Look at verse 16 of chapter 5. And this also is a sore evil that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit has he that has labored for the wind? All his days also he eats in darkness and he has much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. I want you to see first of all that the love of money can lead you to depression. The love of money can lead you to depression. Solomon paints a picture of a man who has worked hard. He has obtained much, but he is eating in darkness. Look at the description of this person in verse 17. Look at all that's there. There's sorrow there. There's anger there. There's sickness there. Is there anything more depressing than, than, a, than, than a sad, lonely, angry old man eating in a darkened house all by himself. That's the picture he paints here. Well, eating is supposed to be a time of fellowship. Eating is supposed to be a time of joy. But this person has no joy. This person doesn't even have anyone to eat a meal with. Why? Because the love of his life was money. Now listen to me, folks. Money can't love you back. Amen? Money can't love nobody on those bills is smiling. Amen? Lincoln or Washington or Hamilton or whoever's picture's on there, nobody's smiling. And when you love money, just look at those fellas and understand they're not loving you back. They're not loving you back. Solomon here shows us a person who was so fixated on money, he isolated himself. And his love of money transformed him into an angry old man who was depressed and sick and couldn't even find a person to share a meal with. You see, the love of money can can rob you of the inability, of the ability to enjoy life. The love of money can rob you from the ability to enjoy life. Look at the man in chapter 6, verse 2. A man to whom God has given riches, wealth, and honor so that he wants nothing for his soul. Of all that he desires, yet God gives him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eats it. Here he is, he's got money. He's got possessions. He's got honor. He has everything he desires, materially speaking. And by the way, the things that the Jewish people saw as a sign of blessedness was number one, wealth. 
Number two, long life. And number three, children. Those are the three things. If a person in the Jewish culture had those three things, they were considered blessed. And the, the man that, that, that Solomon here describes had all three of those things. And if you go down to verse 6, you see, look, Solomon says, hey, even if a man lives to be 2,000 years old, and then he exaggerates again in verse 3, even if he has a hundred children, he says this man can still have a terrible life. And he says in chapter 6, verse 3, that a stillborn child is better off than this man. You say, how can a stillborn child be better off than a man who, who gained so much? Well, the rich man struggled through life only to end up with nothing. And when he, had, when he died, he had accomplished the same thing that a stillborn child had accomplished. Nothing. The only difference was the rich man had the sorrows of life to deal with. So he said, even a stillborn child's better than him. Verse 2 says, this man had everything, but didn't enjoy anything. He had everything, but he didn't enjoy anything. Listen to me, if God has blessed you with wealth, if God has blessed you with wealth, do not take that for granted. Slow down, enjoy life. How much money do you need, friend? How much money do you need if you can't enjoy what God has given you? Then what is the purpose of the money? And then to enjoy life, you have to be willing to slow down long enough to develop deep relationships with people. And if all you're fixated on is making money, you're not going to make those relationships. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. You can love money and, and have fun. You can do that for a while. Uh, Solomon isn't saying you can't do that. But the pleasure of sin is only for a season. Solomon is looking way ahead at this man when he's old. Yeah, he, he had a lot of fun with all the money he had. But when he got old, he had lived his life for money. And then he realized all of this was for nothing. You see, there's a couple of ways you can rob yourself of joy with your love for money. You're, you're, you're so busy making money, you don't enjoy what God has given you, or you indulge in sin, and what you think is joy isn't really joy, and then at the end of your life, you either regret how you lived your life and repent and come to Christ, or one of these days you stand before God and you regret all that you did, and you realize it wasn't really joy at all. Man, there's so much there. There's so much there. People just, it's, it's money, it's money, it's money, it's me, it's me, it's me. And at the expense of relationships, at the expense of truly enjoying life, all they ever think about is a dollar, a dollar, a dollar, a dollar. Listen, you save that money all you want to. I can take you to, to, the, to the nursing home with me if you want to go. And there are people up there in the nursing home who still have more money than they'll ever spend. And they're not enjoying a second of their life. And a lot of them didn't enjoy life because all they ever thought about was, I need money, I need money, I need money. I'm going to get old one day and I need money and I need money. My dear friend, if you cannot enjoy life with what God has given you, you love money. Now, I want you to look at this last final point here. Enjoy your present life in a godly manner. 
Look at verse 18 of chapter 5. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Verse 18 here describes the working person. Person who labors. Do you have a skill? God gave you that skill. Do you have a job? God gave you that job. Do, do, you, do you have a paycheck? Do you get one? God gives you that paycheck. Amen? All of those things God gives you. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because God gives you the ability to make money. And if it was evil, He wouldn't do that. God gives you the ability to live a certain life. And, and that's different for all of us. There are rich people in the world. By the sovereignty of God, they're rich. There are poor people in the world. By the sovereignty of God, they're poor. Okay? There's people right there in the middle as well. But what you've got to understand is, whatever I am, I am by the grace of God. And wherever you are on, on, the, on the spectrum of wealth, look, pay your bills, give to the Lord, and save some money for the future. But enjoy life too. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have much money in the bank. I don't make much money. But my bills are all paid. And I could choose to say this. I could say, boy, Kyle, you broke, man. Look at yourself. You're going to get old one day. Make sure you're, you're, you're going to be okay. And I could say, well, I'll tell you what, family, we're not going to spend a dollar because i got to think about me. Give me a few other jobs and i got to think about me, me, me. I could choose not to go on vacation so I could put more money in the bank. But you know what, church? I'm not going to do that. God's given me a job where I can't afford everything, but I can afford something. Amen? A little something, right? We just got back from vacation. We went out to eat a few times. And it hurt. Amen? <laughs> hurt worse than it's ever hurt before. We went to the same restaurant twice because we like it. Now when I go to this restaurant, I get mullet. Amen? I get mullet. You say, mullet's the cheapest thing on the menu. It's only $14. I don't get mullet because it's cheap. I get mullet because I like it. I looked at the lady. Everybody was there. I said, I'll have the mullet. She said, she, she looked back at me. She said, she said, sir, do you know what mullet is? She really said that to me. And I said, yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm fully aware of that aquatic species, the mullet. But I didn't look at the rest of the family and say, no, all you need to get mullet too. It's going to be a mullet family this week. Amen? Because that's the cheapest thing on the menu. No, everybody got what they wanted. I wanted mullet. It happened to be cheaper. Everybody else got what they wanted. When we left, was it expensive? Yeah, it was expensive. But it was vacation. And we splurged. And God gave us the ability to do that. So we're going to do that. And, and we went to the retro arcade. And we enjoyed ourselves. And we got dessert that cost way more than it should but 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 we got it why because god has blessed us with the ability to enjoy life to a particular level and whatever level that is we're going to strive to do that because we're a family and we want to enjoy life and and not be scrooges and misers now the second thing here verse 19 if you're wealthy 
Enjoy your wealth in a godly way. Look at verse 19. Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth. See, this is different from the guy in verse 17 and in verse 18 who, who was working and has given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. For this is the gift of God. So if you're wealthy, enjoy your wealth in a godly way. Solomon says God's the one who gave you that wealth. If you are wealthy and unhappy, man, something is wrong. First of all, there's no reason to feel guilty about being wealthy if you're a good steward of your wealth. If you're wealthy and you go to church, if you're wealthy and you live for Christ, if you're wealthy and you consistently give to the work of the Lord, there's no reason for you to feel guilty. Why in the world are you sad, man? You got more money than you can ever imagine, and this guy who's got nothing out here, he's happy and you're sad? What's wrong? Could it be maybe you're under conviction because you're not living the way God wants you to live? Well, repent. And enjoy the life God's given you to live. And, and that brings us to, to, to the, the main point of all this, and that's in verse, verse 20, that, that contentment can be experienced by anyone. Look at that verse. For he shall not much remember the days of his life because God answers him in the joy of his heart. Verse 20 shows us a person who is not filled with anxiety. They're not worried about, oh no, one day I'm not going to have enough money, so I need to work, 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 and make sure I've got enough, enough, enough. This is a guy who's not depressed. This is a person who's content in the Lord. You know, money is not going to buy you joy. If you think, well, if I could just have enough money, I'd be happy. No, no, no. Jesus bought your joy on the cross. You know, sometimes, and I don't know if you do this, as, as if you're a couple, sometimes me and Jennifer, we'll sit around and we'll, we'll talk about uh, yesteryear, you know? we we'll talk about the past. Maybe we see a, 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 a memory on a Facebook uh, post that pops up from years and years ago, or, or maybe we're, we're, we're just... Uh, feeling a little nostalgic in our conversation or, or we're looking through a, an album with pictures in it. But this is what I've learned. I've learned that when we begin to talk about our life, the happiest moments that we have in our life are almost always when we had nothing. When we had less than $100 in savings. When we had student loan that they were still trying to get paid off. When we didn't even have a house for ourselves, we had to live in a house that the church owned. And it was the happiest memories. We think back and it's almost always these joyful moments. And we had nothing monetarily. And I bet you a lot of people are the same way. You look back at your life and some of the greatest memories you have, money wasn't a part of it. Amen? I remember that time we broke that hundred, don't you? Nobody says that, amen? Remember that time we went to the bank and made that deposit? That was so much fun. Remember that time we decided not to do anything one year and just save the money up? Nobody says that. Because money is not does not equal happiness. You know, when Christ is your everything, you can be happy even if you have nothing. When Christ is your everything, 
You can be happy even if you have nothing. And that is the key. 1 Timothy 6 6 says this. But godliness with great con- well, I'm sorry, but godliness with contentment is great gain. That's, that's great gain. That's wealth. Godliness with contentment. That is great gain. Great gain. What the world is searching for cannot be bought with money. What the world is searching for was purchased on Calvary's cross. And I want you to know this morning, dear friend, if you want to be rich, you need to make sure your soul is anchored in Christ. Because that is where riches truly are. Your sins can be forgiven. You yourself can be made righteous. Your future can be secure. Your rewards can be kept safe. Your family can be together. All of this is accomplished in Christ. I love that old song, I'd rather have Jesus than what? Silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Because without Christ, salvation does not exist. But with Christ... You have something that never rusts and you have something that never runs out. The forgiveness of sin, home in heaven, and a righteousness that you cannot earn yourself. So dear friend, this morning, if you want to be rich, you can be. Because all who are in Christ are rich. Maybe this morning you need to turn from your sin. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose for you. Maybe you need to call on His name in repentance and faith and ask Him to have mercy on your soul and commit your life to Him and then begin your true life as a wealthy woman or a wealthy man. Because that's where riches can be found. Loving money is meaningless. Loving Christ is worth more than you could ever imagine. With every head bowed, Father, we do love you.